Hey, it's Chris, and welcome to The After Party. This is episode number 007. So this is the James Bond episode, only in name. I have no cool uh, gadgetry or rooftop jumping moves for you, but what I do have for you is some really interesting tech news. I'm sorry that we missed last week. Um, I was sick a little bit. It's going to happen from time to time, but we're back this week. And you know what? A lot of interesting things happened. The 16-inch MacBook Pro is now a reality. We're going to talk about it. The Tesla pickup truck has been announced. We're going to talk about it. The iPhone 11 battery case, the official one from Apple, has also landed mysteriously without a huge announcement or anything. Uh, So we're going to talk about that. That's kind of interesting. Uh, You may think you know what I think about it based on my previous videos, but you don't know. I can guarantee that. And also, uh, I want to talk about the iPhone 11 Pro's camera because it's so underappreciated when it comes to video. So the 16-inch MacBook Pro is here now, and if you missed it, I made a pretty good video kind of rounding up everything that you need to know about it already on the main Daily Tech YouTube channel. Um, So check that out if you haven't already. But today, I want to talk about my 16-inch MacBook Pro. I don't have it yet, but I've ordered it. Um, and so I want to talk about the specs and the color and just everything that I decided to go with and why. And I think it's going to be pretty interesting. Now, a while back, I remember making a video talking about it's time for me to start looking into a Mac and it was either going to be between a new MacBook Pro or the new Mac Pro, which I think had just recently been announced. And people have been asking forever, like, what was I going to get? I never made a follow-up video, uh, but, uh, it's no secret anymore. I did end up going with the MacBook Pro. Now, The reason is very simple. If I was gonna get the Mac Pro, I would have gotten the base Mac Pro, and it's very expensive. It starts at like six grand uh, without a monitor or screen of any kind. And so, just I got more bang for my buck if I went the MacBook Pro route, and uh, I ended up having something that was portable, and so what I traded was expandability. With the Mac Pro, you do get, you know, unlimited expandability, basically, not really, but, but pretty much. Unlimited and on the MacBook Pro, I'm more or less going to be stuck with the specs that I got here when I ordered it. And this is something I'm going to be using for the next basically three years. So, just for instance, when I upgraded a bunch of stuff in the MacBook Pro, and we're going to talk about the specific specs in just a second, I still came in under the price tag of the Mac Pro, and I'm going to end up with a lot more RAM, for instance, for cheaper. It's that kind of stuff that, that made me go with the MacBook Pro. Now, before we get into the specs, I just want to say why I bought this. I got this to be my main video editing machine, and so I needed something that could just slice up uh, really high-quality footage, um, 4K for now, maybe 6K, maybe 8K um, over the next three years. Um, and just, you know, I, what it really is for me is time savings because right now I've got the 2016 MacBook Pro. Still, it's going to be like a couple of weeks, a week and a half or something, two weeks before I get the new MacBook uh, Pro. But half of my day, I feel like, is spent like waiting for that thing to crunch through uh, whatever it is in Final Cut Pro that I'm asking it to do, whether it's stabilizing some crazy footage or slowing something down and adding some optical uh, flow to it. Um, whether it's transitions or effects or color grades or whatever it is, um, my current machine, which I've had for three years, uh, it's at the end of its usefulness here, still hanging on. Uh, It's gotten me this far over the last three years, which has been great. I appreciate it. Um, It's just not cutting it anymore. 
And I don't know if you've had a similar experience to me where you get something and it's what you need at the moment, but then you, what you do maybe evolves a little bit over the next couple of years and you're doing something a little bit differently than what you were doing at the time and your machine no longer matches up to what you're doing and what you need it to do. In fact, that's kind of like life. Like I went to school to be a graphic designer and I don't really do that anymore. <laughs> Morphed into a full-time YouTuber and content producer. And uh, sometimes I use that graphic design stuff uh, that I learned, some of those skills, design stuff, but not really. It's a totally different uh, thing that I'm doing now. And in my computer back in the day, uh, it was great for the kind of stuff that I was doing, but I've learned all these different techniques now and uh, and there's just more that I need from the machine um, than it is capable of doing in a timely manner for me right now. So it, that's why it was time to upgrade. And I can't wait. Uh, from the tests that I've seen and stuff, I'm expecting this to be about 50% faster for me across the board when it comes to video-related production stuff. Um, so that's a huge, t I mean, 50%. I wish it was 100% faster. I wish it would never have to think at all. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be about you know, 50% more, but, but that's a big deal. I can re reclaim some of my personal time or I can get more done during work hours. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it, but let's get into the specs. All right, so just looking over the spec sheet for what I ordered, I got the 2.4 gig, eight core, ninth gen Intel i9, turbo boost up to five gigahertz. Uh, it's the AMD Radeon 5500M with eight gigs of GDDR6 memory. I got the 64 gigs of memory and max that out. But there's one place uh, in this configuration that I didn't max out, didn't go all the way with, and that was the storage. So you can go all the way up to an incredible eight terabytes of storage, but I went with four. And the reason is very simple. Apple storage is incredibly expensive. And you can always, even though this is more reasonable, I think, than it has been in the past, even last year with the 15 inch, it's more reasonable than it has been, but it's still very expensive. And so, I knew that as a video producer, some of my projects can easily be like two terabytes themselves or a couple of, you know, one terabyte, two terabyte. It's in that neighborhood sometimes. It depends how much footage you're getting, what quality you're shooting at, whatever. But as a video producer, I need a lot of space. And in the past, I've always had to use like a scratch disk or something, um, some sort of external drive where I can store my libraries for Final Cut Pro and other stuff too. And you know, I and I think on my last one I had a one terabyte um, storage capacity. I maxed that out, I think. Was that the max? I don't remember, but one terabyte. It was good at the time, uh, but nowhere near like what I would need as a video producer. So what's really cool about this is that I can now edit everything on the go, um, fit several projects at once on the computer itself without having to bring with me an external drive. And that's just amazing. And four terabytes is gonna be plenty for me. So one terabyte is gonna be used up probably with internal stuff for the most part, which will give me three terabytes um, to just put all my video projects on. And that's better than the two terabyte drive, external drive that I lug with me everywhere before I offload it for archiving. So that's gonna be a major game changer for me whenever I need to go anywhere, whether that's traveling or whether that's just at a coffee shop uh, or to a meeting, presentation or whatever. So that's amazing. I'm really excited. And four terabytes is going to be enough for me right now. And if it's not, it's not a big deal because I can easily plug in uh, another two terabytes or four terabytes or whatever, a huge drive if I need to. Um, and it's just no big deal. So I was willing to pay an extra $1,000 to upgrade to four terabytes. I wasn't willing, though, 
to upgrade to eight terabytes for an, an additional $2,200. That just didn't seem worth it to me. Here's why. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the SanDisk Extreme, the tiny little SSD um, sticks of a drive. This like kind of rugged, not super rugged, but a little bit rugged. You can take it with you, whatever. It's really small. Um, it's USB-C and uh, those are amazing. And you can get two terabytes in that form factor uh, for like $257, under $260. I'll link it up in the description. It's That's amazing. That's so much cheaper than uh, storage from Apple. Now, it's not as convenient, that's the thing. You're paying for the convenience if you're getting fully upgraded memory you know, on, on the new MacBook Pro, but, but that's amazing. And now, if you want to get a full four terabytes extra from my configuration, which would bring me up to the eight that I could have gotten internally, um, and internal is always better, there's a little bit less uh, buffering or whatever um, in between when you're writing data and reading data. But if you want four terabytes extra, you can get that for under $1,000. Um, so less than half the price of what it would cost me to upgrade fully that eight terabytes, I could get easily with an external drive for a lot cheaper. So that's why the decision I made, uh, for four terabytes, that's how that happened because it just was more cost effective. And for that matter, I could have just gone with two terabytes and I would have been fine. I could have just gone all external, uh, for everything, but this is what is going to work the best for me. It's like kind of the best of both worlds. Expandable, yet probably enough for whatever I'm going to need. Um, let's talk about the color for a second. Uh, I went with the space gray, and uh, there's not like a big reason for that. I like the silver. I like the space gray. And usually, whichever one I don't have, I sort of like regret not having it. it they're both good. Um, and I kind of switch off sometimes when it comes to Apple devices, iPads, iPhones, whatever. Um, you can't really go wrong with silver or space gray. And so I wanted the space gray this time. And I think I'm probably gonna get some sort of really thin case just to go over this, try to keep it in as good shape as possible. What I'm not gonna do is get any kind of skin to go on it. On my last MacBook Pro, I don't know if you guys remember this video, but uh, I got this really nice custom wood, like real wood, really thin wood, uh, but it wasn't fake wood, it was real wood. Uh, case or cover or skin, whatever you wanna call it, to go over. And I don't know, it, it, it just, the computer ran hot anyways, but when you added that on, I just feel like it made it extra hot, and then it was a mess to clean up because of the glue when I took it off because I had to take it in to Apple to get fixed because the battery was swollen. I don't know if that contributed to it or if it was just going to happen anyways, but Apple fixed it, and I was, it was almost uh, out of warranty, but Apple fixed it anyways, even without Apple Care on it, so that was really cool. They did a great job, but some sort of just really thin case, I think, is going to go on this. Maybe clear. Maybe not. I don't know. Might make a video about it at some point. But yeah, I could not be more excited about this computer. And that's the thing that I'm noticing. Everybody is excited about this computer. There's really just nothing bad to say about it other than some people are a little bit cynical because a lot of people feel like, well, this is what Apple should have done anyways like a year or two ago. Um, so in a way, it's sort of backward, <laughs> backward progress. But either way, I'm super excited about it. I'm glad I waited. I'm glad I didn't jump you know, ship and just pull the trigger too early and go with the 15 inch that was already available. I'm excited for the new keyboard and just hope that it just continues to work like really awesome. Even though I probably won't end up using it all that much um, just when I'm mobile, because of course I hook it up to the 49 inch LG ultra wide that I'm using right now um, and have an external keyboard, really liking the Keychron K2 at the moment when I have to do any typing. And also the Logitech MX, I've been switching off between those. I don't know if you guys caught uh, my desk setup video that I did recently, but I literally have two keyboards that I like, 
and I switch off between those. So when it's time to type, it's the Keychron K2. And when it's time to edit, it's the Logitech uh, MX right now. Um, they're both awesome for different reasons. I couldn't pick between the two. But needless to say, I won't be actually using the MacBook Pro 16-inch keyboard all that much. But I'm excited for the new mics. I mean, you know, what if I need to podcast uh, on the spur of the moment? I don't have a great mic or something around. Just to be able to do that still um, is cool. So I'm excited about the speakers uh, for the same reason. If I'm mobile and want to listen to something in the hotel room or something and didn't bring, you know, a portable speaker because who wants to pack that extra bulk? Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's just going to be a really great all-around device. It's not exciting in that it has, like, cutting-edge features. It's exciting because it's powerful, looks good, and is just going to work, I think, at this point. Um, no dual display uh, or anything crazy like that. Just, like, straightforward stuff. Better heat management better keyboard, uh, better, bigger screen, that kind of stuff. It's just going to work and and be powerful. That's what I'm needing, and that's what I'm excited about. Next up, I want to give you guys my reaction to the Tesla truck, uh, the Cybertruck that was just announced last night. This thing is crazy, um, the design, and some of the features too. But, I mean, I don't know. On the one hand, it's like, what was Tesla and Elon Musk thinking? A lot of people, I think, are thinking that. On the other hand, it's like, wow, this is really, really, really different. It's gutsy. And there's something to be said about both halves of that conversation. So I'm looking at the Verge article about this, and it calls the design absurd, futuristic, and brutalist. And that's a pretty good description. It is absurd. It doesn't look like anything else out there. But I'll tell you what, I don't really like the design of really any pickup truck that I've ever seen to date. I'm not really a truck kind of a guy, traditionally. Like, I'm all about utility and being able to haul stuff around and stuff. I guess I'd probably rather go, like, the SUV route, though, for whatever reason. But different usually is something that appeals to me. Um, like, I say this about Apple stuff a lot. I've been an Apple fan for a very long time since before it was, like, considered uh, a standard or mainstream thing, really pre-iPhone days. Um, when Macs were like a novelty, when that first iMac came out and it was all colorful and not everybody had a Mac and it weren't all over in media and stuff um, before Samsung was attacking uh, Apple people in ads for being sheep, um, which is ridiculous. But then Apple became really mainstream thanks to the iPhone. And then everybody had Apple products and everybody has AirPods now. Apple watches are all over the place and Apple is a little bit less special in a way because it's so out there. All that to say, that's one of the things that I liked about Tesla. I don't have a Tesla, by the way. It's something I've considered maybe in the, for the future. Uh, I made a whole video about that uh, on the podcast, so go watch that or listen to it. But what I like about Tesla is that it's in that first iMac stage, or it was. It feels like it's really becoming more mainstream, because I see so many Teslas out there now, and it's like, man, if I do get one, it's really not all that different now. Uh, I see so many Teslas around, uh, and it's like the iPhone, where it's just all over now. Now, now it's not 100% true. It's not the most popular car out there, but you do see a lot of them. That's what I'm saying. Even like outside of big cities, like you see them all over the place. So what I'm saying is, what I'm driving at is that I do like the different look of this Tesla pickup. I'm not saying that I love the design. I'm saying I like that it's different because that counts for something. Like I really don't like car designs, car, truck, SUV, whatever, but automobile designs that play it too safe. Um, or, 
you know, like some things get weird without being different enough. Like the new, the the old Toyota Prius, like that was kind of its own thing. The new model is just ugly. I don't like it. And I've owned a, a Prius in the past. Uh, so I'm not like anti-Prius. I couldn't bring myself to buy the new Prius though. Um, so it was like different, but it wasn't so different that it was, you know, Tesla truck different. So I, what I'm saying is there's something to be said about not being so mainstream. And maybe it's just a statement um, of nonconformity that I, that I like that's different about this truck that would make me have interest in it. I think what's interesting is a lot of people see it and their first reaction is, whoa, that's bizarre. And they're not sure that they like it. But I've seen this been happening like all over social media. A lot of people in the tech community and elsewhere say they start to warm up to the design after a while. Maybe. They're not sure, but kind of. And that's sort of what I've felt too. Um, I can't bring myself to say like, it's amazing, the design. Or I'm not even sure that I like it, much less love it. But I sort of am warming up to the idea of it because it's different. And you know what? I'll tell you what it really is. Like, I'm a big sci-fi fan, and it does seem spaceshipy. Uh, I always like the scene in uh, 2001 Space Odyssey uh, where they get up into the space station and it's all white inside. Um, or I like that Stormtrooper look. Or I like the old Apple products that are all white, that white glossy stuff. Now, this isn't like that, but it is kind of futuristic with that brutalist uh, influence in there. Elon Musk says uh, Blade Runner, um, never been one of my favorite movies in the world. But anything that's kind of sci-fi in real life that takes some risks and is different, looks kind of like a spaceship um, inside and outside, that's pretty cool. And here's the thing, the inside of the Tesla truck is way different too than anything that's out there. So the dash, I'm not sure how much attention you paid to the inside with the outside looking so crazy, but the dash is sort of like, it looks like a slab of marble, kind of, which is weird. It doesn't really go, I don't feel like, with the outside at all. Um, the inside is so different from the outside. And actually, uh, one of the reviews was saying it actually felt more like foamy, which is kind of bizarre also. Um, but it's got a, a different vibe and a different aesthetic. And I can't say that I hate it. I can say that it's really different. I'm, I, you know, the more I'm talking about it, I'm just glad that somebody is coloring outside the lines and thinking so differently because cars are so boring. Even nice cars can get really, really boring, expensive stuff like sports cars. That looks a little different, but even that's something that we've come to expect. Like the look of a Ferrari when they redesigned the Corvette. Well, guess what? It looks sort of Ferrari-ish or something now, like, right? It's not super different. This is super different. And that's what I'm saying. It's kind of cool inside and out. And what's crazy about it is that it can go zero to 60, supposedly. I mean, this is the prototype still in like four and a half seconds, zero to 60. That's fast. That's not what you think of when you think of uh, a truck. That's what you think of when you think of a Tesla. You think of fast because that's what they're, you know, tuned and designed to do. Um, but so again, like it's very different from your quote unquote truck that you're used to. And I think, why not? Like, why not have that speed? That's fun uh, to have that speed built in rather than just something that's supposed to be a tough utilitarian thing. And this this is, to be fair, meant to be like a tough thing too. We all, you know, we heard about, I guess I'll just address it right now. Maybe you saw it, maybe you read about it or whatever. They threw some metal balls at the windows and the windows cracked. They weren't supposed to. Elon Musk said before the event, they threw the same balls at the window and it didn't 
crack. <laughs> so uh, it was sort of an unfortunate demo, but that's neither here nor there because uh, if you crash any car, the windows are going to crack. You know, it's, I don't know. And, I, I, you know, they got a year or whatever to perfect it and work on it. But when they smashed in the side uh, of the Tesla truck with a hammer, sledgehammer, and it didn't even dent it, that's pretty crazy. So this thing is meant to be really, really rugged. Of course, there was a video that Elon showed uh, where uh, the F-150 and uh, the new Tesla Cybertruck were tied together and kind of in a tug of war. And the Tesla takes off and the Ford, of course, is getting dragged behind. And, you know, it, obviously, you can't like trust a video like that just from the manufacturer uh, at face value. Um, but it's meant to it is meant to appeal to that like tough ruggedness um, persona that is attached to trucks. Um, but still, it also is being its own thing in terms of like being able to go really fast and obviously not relying on gas. And I think there's kind of an interesting narrative uh, probably buried under there where you have a lot of people who are all about energy independence um, for their country. Or if you're in the US, it's like a big thing here. Everyone's all about energy independence and getting our own oil supply. And, and so... Uh, a lot of those people that I know are like super into trucks and not saying that's bad or anything. Energy independence sounds like a great idea. Fracking, if it's in your backyard, is no fun. Um, but it sort of turns that whole narrative on its head to say, hey, we do have this truck now that can tow an F-150 uh, that's trying to escape behind it and that is undentable with the sledgehammer um, that, by the way, doesn't run on gas. So it's a different form of energy independence, so to speak. Um, it's non-traditional. Now, the souped-up version, so to speak, of this Tesla Cybertruck is going to be able to go 500 miles on a charge. That's pretty cool. I like that. I will say, though, when it comes to design, a lot of people have done some interesting Photoshop jobs, quick Photoshop jobs, and they've made it into the uh, Warthog from Halo, and they've made it into um, the DeLorean from Back to the Future, and you know what? Some some of those, I'm not going to lie, almost make it look better than the actual thing itself does. But one thing that really intrigued me was the accessories that are shown on the website. And I haven't seen a lot of people talking about those, but they showed off uh, a potential trailer accessory. And they showed off like a camper accessory that you could put on the back. And those are kind of interesting. Uh, they're very different as well than just what you see when you go to like Ford's website or Chevy's website or Dodge's website, um, accessories. Now I said that this sort of looks like a spaceship either on the inside or outside. And you know, Musk is playing right into that. I think he kind of wants that in a way. A lot of people are like, yeah, if I was on Mars, I would drive this all the time. It seems like a Mars Rover or something. Um, but it uses some of the same steel as some, uh, one of the SpaceX, product. So Musk is this, also the CEO of not only Tesla, but several other companies, including SpaceX. And uh, so in a way, you are kind of driving a bit of a spaceship. And I think throwing that in there probably does appeal to a lot of uh, your Star Wars or NASA um, nerdy or non-nerdy, whatever. Nobody's really a nerd these days kind of fans. But I'm saying I like that, though. I want to be driving a spaceship for sure. There's a 17-inch touchscreen inside, and touchscreens are coming all over the place. Oh, by the way, should we talk about the new Ford Mustang uh, EV that basically is a Tesla ripoff in 
almost every way except for being a Ford. Like the design looks very Tesla-ish. It's an SUV. Um, and like the inside Tesla, right, as far as I know, kind of pioneered that tablet in your car dash kind of look. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but I've started seeing that pop up other places. It popped up right in the Ford. Even the inside just is very Tesla-ish of this new Ford. Um, but with the, I'm, I'm talking about with the touchscreen. It's the same kind of thing. Like glue a giant tablet to the inside and, and it looks just like a Tesla. Either way, I guess that's neither here nor there. I should make a whole different video on that. I kind of like or hate that Ford Mustang EV. Um, part of me likes it because it does look kind of nice. Part of me is like, why is it called a Mustang? Because that just doesn't seem to go. I know, you know, they know that consumers uh, like the Mustang brand and they're trying to say, hey, this is an exciting thing. Um, so like I get it, but it doesn't seem to match at the same time. I know Detroit Borg is all about it. Um, I kind of like it. I kind of, I don't know. I'd probably have to get into it and check it out for what it costs though. It doesn't seem like a luxury style thing. Uh, almost like 60 grand. I want to say this Tesla pickup starts at less. You know what I mean? I think that the verge article that I referenced earlier, they did a good job wrapping things up. Cause they were like Tesla though has built its entire reputation on trying to convince people that they want something that they previously wouldn't have. Because like when Tesla came on the scene, it wasn't a cool thing to have an electric car. Um, they were seen as sort of like wimpy, right? You knew that a golf cart was electric and that's maybe what you thought of. <laughs> it's not something that was really fast and sporty um, and that could easily take you know most of the gas powered cars out on the road. Um, so maybe they're taking that mentality and ethos and spending the credit that they have uh, with society um, on this truck and putting a big bet out there that they can do that again um, in terms of convincing people, no, actually, this is something that you want. But I am surprised by the amount of pre-orders, screenshots, that I've seen floating around. A lot of people jumped in line and found it interesting. I've seen polls on social media where somebody asked, are you going to get this? Do you at least do you like this? And I've been surprised that like 70% of people in these polls have said that they do like it. Now it's probably a tech heavy audience um, for the polls that I've seen. Cause that's who I follow on social media. Um, but it's interesting. Like I think people like this Tesla truck more than it seems like they do in reality. And that's interesting. So Apple has a new battery case out this year. Uh, it just popped onto the store. Not a lot of big fanfare because it's not a major product. It's an accessory, um, but it's getting a lot of attention. I, I want to talk about it. You guys want to know my reaction, and I'm going to talk about it because if you know me, you know that I'm not into giant cases. And the battery case, any battery case, adds a lot of extra bulk to your phone. And I am the person who put out lots of videos on uh, very thin iPhone case options, uh, minimal, um, clear iPhone case options tends to be what I really like. And so, <laughs> and you know what? I made a video of the last uh, iPhone case and you know, it's great to have extra power. It is, but I don't like the bulk. So straight out of the gate, before this was ever announced, I thought to myself in my head, I was like, I don't want it and I'm not gonna get it. I'm not gonna review it. I just have no interest in it. Uh, especially if it looks like it did uh, last year. But then it came out and it had an interesting new feature on it, uh, which is a shutter button. 
and the shutter button basically so you can you've probably seen this there's lots of cases that like or accessories that can snap onto your iphone whether it's a case or just kind of a hand grip that you can put on your phone that has a shutter button that's a bluetooth thing connects wirelessly and it will let you i guess more easily take pictures uh treat your phone more like a camera than it actually is uh in terms of just you know traditionally uh, you get that shutter button, you know, and you can click it with your uh, index finger. And so these kind of products have existed. I don't know that I've seen it before. And this is kind of, it is clever for Apple to embed that button uh, in the battery case. And it does some pretty cool things. It's not just uh, a really simple shutter button. Um, we'll get into that in just a second. But um, that is enough to make me think about at least picking it up to review it, if not something that I'm going to use. Because uh, your phone is your main camera. It's, it's with you all the time. And I'd say for 99.999% of people, like it's their go-to camera. You're not a YouTuber, probably, uh, right? Or a professional photographer. You hire somebody to take like family portraits, probably, right? But what this button represents is Apple's go-to thing. And that is convenience. So let's just get a couple things out of the way first before we get into that button and what it can do. Um, it basically looks the same as it did before. It's got that weird shape um, where it kind of, it's not a camel's hump, but if you lay it down flat on a table, uh, it's like it a snake swallowed something, right? Is the meme that has been going around. So it has that bump that comes up in the back and that's where you get your extra bulk. But it comes in the same colors as it did before. So it's not interesting in that way either. This And that's something that kind of bugs me. Um, so it's just black, white, and pink, I believe. If you're going to put a case on, and if it's going to be not very pretty looking, then, and maybe some people like it. If you like it, you know, like no offense, like everyone's in different things. But at least it could be more entertaining, more interesting, um, more personalized somehow, right? Than just black white, pink. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about this camera button. So cool, interesting thing number one is that even if your phone's off, even if it's locked and you hit this button, it's gonna launch into the camera app. So Android people have had this for a long time in terms of like being able to double click the power button um, and launch into the camera app. For iPhone people, there's the shortcut on the screen uh, where you can do that, I use it a lot. Um, but this is maybe just that much more convenient or and quick to get into the photo app. Just press this button, whether it's locked or whatever, you're into the camera app. The next interesting feature is that it works with, it's compatible with Apple's new quick take feature. So if you're not using this case and you just open up your camera app, you're running the latest version of iOS, uh, if you hold down, if you're in the photo section, you haven't swiped a video, if you hold down on the shutter button, the virtual shutter button, the white button, if you hold down on it, uh, and depending on how you move your thumb, you can get it going to record a video. Um, that's the quick take feature. So you don't have to uh, slide it over and change the mode officially uh, into a video mode. It's basically always in video mode, photo and video mode with quick take. Well, this button works with quick take. So if you just press down the shutter button on the battery case, it's a photo. And if you hold it down, it's a quick take video. And that's very cool. I do like that. That is not something that you can get by, as far as I know, any kind of software shortcut or home screen, shortcut, lock screen uh, on the iPhone. So that is totally brand new functionality, an extra uh, feature, new capability that you couldn't get with just a regular iPhone or any other case that I know of. Now, as far as battery life goes, 
Apple says that this can add up to 50% extra battery. Now, in years past, people have complained profusely. They were profound in their complaints uh, about battery life on iPhones. This year, with the, the latest, the iPhone 11 and especially the Pro, there's not as much to complain about. There's not anything to complain about. The battery life is really good on this year's iPhones. And so for me, uh, I think I said this in my review or something. I was like, I don't even need a battery case. Not, and again, this is another thing. Because of that bulk, I don't want it. I, I was convinced this was never something I was going to need or want. Some people, though, do like it because let's say you're going on a trip and, or you're going to be somewhere where you don't have an outlet for a day and a half or two. Um, then even the great battery life on the 11 or 11 Pro, it's not going to get you through. And maybe you want to go on this quick overnight trip and you're going to be doing a lot. And, and it makes sense to have that 50% extra battery for the bulk. That's an okay trade-off. And for me, that's how I would use this. It would be like uh, something that I wouldn't use daily. It would be something that I would just throw on um, as needed. And for me, it's not worth the, what is it? Oh, it's 130 bucks, $129. It's not worth it, uh, whatever the size of your iPhone, same price. For me, it's just not worth the bulk. I don't like it that much. Um, like sometimes, here's what I'll do too. Um, that battery life so good on the 11. Now, I went with the 11 just to refresh your memory as my personal phone. I got the 11 uh, Pro for studio work, and I use it all the time. I'm about to talk about this in the next uh, segment here. So uh, just like most people that got an iPhone this year, my daily phone is the 11, and the battery lasts me all day and never runs out of battery. And part of what I do is I often drive, you know, to, you know, pick up some packages, get some coffee, run some errands, whatever. And when I do, I plug it in so I can use CarPlay and it charges. And so that is really, uh, and when I'm at my desk too, I got a wireless charger from 12 South that just props it up so I can see the screen and interact with my phone on my desk. And that charges it up too. Between those two things, I really don't need a battery case. And I'm guessing a lot of people fit into that category. I guess, though, I will concede it does add some good protection. Like, it, it is protective. Um, and if you look at, go after this, you know, I don't know if you're listening or watching, but find the iPhone, uh, ultra-thin iPhone cases video that I recently published. Or you can look at the old one, too, which is, like, really popular um, video. The thing that I'm using is a totally case right now. It's really, 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 really thin. It's only going to protect against scratches. Basically, if I drop it... Uh, I better make sure I've got Apple Care. It's that thin, but I prefer that. Like, I really like that minimalistic, uh, ultra thin case. So, yes, different people, they like different things. Some people really like uh, the protection. And, anyways, they want to protect the case. Oh, and it comes with an extra battery. And maybe it's a no brainer for you. Um, for me, I'm just, I'm intrigued. This, this is how I feel about it. I'm intrigued because of that extra shutter button. I want to try it because maybe it will totally change my mind. Maybe I'll be like, you know what? That's, so great, and I really uh, need to have that every day. Maybe it'll be like that, I don't know, uh, because it is functionality that I can't get uh, any other way. So let's do this. You guys let me know in the comments, uh, or hit me up on Twitter if you're just listening as a podcast. Let me know, do you want me to get my hands on this and test it out or not? And I wanna know too, are you planning on getting this? Uh, I should run a poll too on Twitter and YouTube, um, but let me know, are, is this something that you're interested in and gonna pick up? I'm a professional YouTuber, you guys probably realize that. Uh, make a living primarily from YouTube uh, and other content creation avenues. And so I have a variety of cameras that I use. My main camera setup uh, changes, you know, it's a rig. So change things out, whether it's um, a cage or lenses, 
uh, different audio accessories, maybe uh, a monitor, whatever. I got some accessories. And at any given time, uh, what I'm holding in my hands when I'm recording stuff might cost around $5,000 for the setup that I'm using. You know, between four and $5,000. On top of my main camera though, I use a variety of other cameras. Whether it's a 360 cam or an action cam, specialty cam like the Osmo Pocket, which is very different and kind of weird and interesting. And uh, my trump card is my iPhone 11 Pro. Now I've mentioned several times that I have two iPhones at any given time, not always on me at the same time, but I have my personal phone and I've got a phone that I just use for dedicated you know, YouTube and business and video stuff. So my personal phone is the iPhone 11 and the business phone is the iPhone 11 Pro. Not the Max, not the huge one, just the Pro because I like that compact size. I say it's my trump card because it's so versatile and I use it all the time. And here's the thing, I intersperse that iPhone footage uh, with the footage from my more expensive camera all the time and nobody notices on the main uh, Daily Tech channel. Like seriously, not even once has someone been like, oh yeah, that's an iPhone shot there. No, it just blends in and people don't even realize um, that that ultra, you know, crispy, sleek, buttery, smooth, uh, well-colored footage came from my iPhone. And I guess you guys probably know, you probably already know that the iPhone shoots really great video. The point of this segment though is really just to tell you to point out while you do know in your head how good uh, the, the footage can look, you don't actually realize how good it is unless somebody tells you. Um, because in the hands of a professional shooter, I mean, uh, like Jonathan Morrison has been shooting some good stuff. He shot a whole music video on the iPhone 11. Apple um, always puts their money where their mouth is, kind of, uh, when they're making like YouTube videos. Whether Even for the iPad, Apple will shoot content for the YouTube channel like if it's about the iPad, they'll shoot it on the iPad and edit it on the iPad. Now they use a lot of accessories, especially for iPhone stuff. If you see any kind of depth of field, they're using some pretty crazy accessories. Um, but the point is, and there's lots of other examples. If you look up cinematic iPhone footage on YouTube, you'll find all kinds of just beautiful, gorgeous footage um, that people have shot. So other people out there are using it too, but I use it probably, I, I would say in every video that I put up on the channel, almost. Probably, okay, I'll say 90% of the videos at least, because I'm sure there's some that I don't. Um, but I'm using it, I rely on it. I rely on it as a professional all the time. For instance, if you want some examples, go check out the AirPods Pro video that I did. Um, not the tips video, but the other one that has uh, more views. And a lot of the shots from that opening sequence that's kind of edited together with the music, um, a lot of those shots, maybe most of them were done, not most of them, a lot of them, maybe like 50%, I guess, were shot with the iPhone 11 Pro. So if you look at, especially the outdoor shots where there's a lot of snow, you'll see I'm holding an AirPod in my hand or just the case with the AirPods in it. Um, and you can see like some mountains and sky and some snow. Uh, and it's so crisp. It's just almost ridiculously sharp. Uh, and, you know, you do have to, use, you know, some, some common sense. If you're moving your camera around and stuff and it's really juddery and shaky, like that's on you. But if you're knowing what you're doing when you're recording this stuff, wow, it just, it's so good. The main drawback for me in using an iPhone though, and when you can tell that it's not an iPhone, if you know what to look for, is that you can't really get that blurry background effect that's really associated with cinematic, um, just high quality footage, whether, 
you know, uh, you know about pro video stuff or you don't, you just from watching movies and TV shows and stuff, your, your brain's sort of trained to recognize that really blurry background is like high quality stuff. And that's one thing that you, it's really hard to get on an iPhone. There is a company that sells like some adapters that you can mount like a real, uh, lens on there and, and external lens and, and get some depth of field, but that's still tricky. And Apple uses that a lot. Um, from what I understand in when they shoot like commercials that say shot on iPhone, they use that kit. Um, but it's hard to shoot low light, uh, with that because you need a lot of light, uh, for the iPhone sensor, but to get a blurry background, the iPhone, you either have to be shooting really close to a subject. And I've done that before and it looks cool. Um, it's not as nice bokeh as you would get with a nice external lens, but you either got to be really close or you got to be outside where you just have like miles around you for the background to blur out. So if you go back and again, and look at that AirPod video and you see like the mountains in the back and they're kind of blurry, that's because there's miles and miles and miles in between the actual subject, the AirPods and the iPhone and the background, the mountains. But this was absolutely part of the kit that I took with me when I did the uh, Apple Watch Series 5 battery test in Denver. And I hit uh, all my some of my favorite sh- spots like Pig Drain Coffee and Union Station and uh, the Broncos Stadium and the famous tattered cover bookstore in Denver. I brought the iPhone 11 Pro with me. Um, and I saw I had an action camera, I had my main camera, and uh, I had the iPhone 11 Pro. And that's what I took with me. Um, I used the action camera mostly for time lapses. And, uh, I used the, my nice piece of kit, you know, expensive thing with the really nice lens for more slow motion, 120 frames per second, slow motion, um, with the blurry background, uh, with like an F I want to say F 1.4 lens, um, really, really wide open lens. And the iPhone I just used for everything. It was like the wild card. There's this really great shot, um, where I did some speed ramping where I'm going into the bookstore and I start looking down uh, the, the camera at the steps and then it kind of pans up and shows the interior and then kind of moves over to the right and then pans back, excuse me, pans back left um, around kind of the cash register area. And so I sped up, you know, some of it was slow-mo, some of it was sped up. That's what speed ramping is, uh, slow and fast with a nice little smooth transition. It just looks so nice and so professional. I did the same thing with uh, one of the buses running on the 16th Street Mall, where a bus kind of slow-mo comes into focus. You can read what's on the side, 16th Street or whatever, and then it zooms off and reveals behind it the train station. Um, That was all shot on the iPhone, and I was just so impressed with some of the shots that we were able to get on that particular shoot. So if you haven't seen that, absolutely go watch it. And anything that doesn't have slow, super slow-mo, um, I guess I was shooting 4K60, I'll talk about that in a second. But if it's not super, super slow-mo and it doesn't have uh, a lot of blurry bokeh background um, in the Apple Watch battery test video that I just uploaded today, go watch that and you'll see those are the iPhone shots and you'll be blown away. And by the way, in that video, I color graded none of that footage which was not something I would have preferred to do, but you'll see what it's like straight out of the iPhone with literally, I didn't even color correct it, much less grade it. Um, So it's just beautiful right out of the iPhone. So go watch. One thing I love though, as a YouTuber, and this is just great in everyday life too, is that the iPhone, as capable as it is, uh, as a video machine and photos too, it's so inconspicuous. I've, as a YouTuber, I've been asked to stop filming in all kinds of places, whether it's a store or a restaurant, coffee shop. Um, if there's a place that has a rule like no filming, someone's going to stop you if you have uh, a camera with a huge lens and uh, a big mic 
with a furry cover sticking out uh, on top and a tribe, you know, if it's like on a gorilla pod or something like they know what you're up to and they're going to be like, you can't do that in here, but nobody stops you when you've got an iPhone, right? Because it's just an everyday part of life. Everyone's got one. And so it's nothing special, even though it is really awesome, but because it's just an everyday object, um, you can do anything with it. And look, 95% of the time, I'm just using it like grab and go. There's a lot of great professional camera apps out there for the iPhone. And I'm thinking about like the Moment app or Filmic. Uh, there's another one, I'm forgetting the name. Uh, there's a few actually. but And those are great, but they take a little bit of time. And for me, this is really a run and gun setup. And I will use the default iPhone camera app most of the time when I'm shooting. Uh, because you can still like lock the exposure and stuff, but I don't even do that. I don't mess with it. Oftentimes I can, and I, I promise you all the shots in the, uh, the Apple watch battery test video in Denver, they were just straight out of the camera, official camera app, the default camera app, nothing crazy, no filmic pro. Although when the new filmic pro comes out and I can shoot with multiple cameras at once on the iPhone, like the front and the back or whatever, like then maybe I'll start using that more. Uh, and I use it sometimes anyways. There's been several videos where I've filmed the talking head stuff um, with an iPhone. And people were like, oh, that's clearer than your other camera, than your really more expensive one or whatever. It is just amazing what you can get with the default camera. Now, I mentioned 4K60. Let me talk about that for a second. That's what I have it on by default on my iPhone 11 Pro, the one I use for all my studio stuff, professional stuff. I have my iPhone 11 regular one just set to more like uh, average consumer type of settings for my own personal life. But for, for my professional stuff, um, I'm using uh, 4K60 as the setting. And what that lets me do is basically slow my footage down two times or get 50% slower without losing any quality, without stuttering, without having to do any kind of extra processing like optical flow. So I shoot everything in 4K60 and then I can leave it alone if I want to because um, I shoot in 30 frames per second normally anyways. Uh, and unless you're like really into cameras, you're not going to care. Um, but I leave it alone a lot of the times if I just want normal speed, but I can then have the option at least to slow it down 50%. And you know what? Sometimes I will slow it down to like 25%. And if it's a stable enough shot, I can throw on some optical flow in Final Cut Pro and it will be just fine. It can fill in um, some extra frames using that information and be just as buttery smooth. Um, and you know, I like optical flow. I talk about it a lot that combined with stabilization with the iPhone, uh, and my new 16 inch MacBook pro, it's just going to be so nice, such a good combination. And guess what else I like about this? My really nice, uh, you know, cinematic setup with my more expensive camera. I can't airdrop files off of that onto my Mac, but I can airdrop this 4k 60 footage from my iPhone right onto my Mac. And it's pretty quick too. You know, AirDrop has improved a lot over the years, I will say. I used to have to do like three, two or three video clips at a time. And, you know, if I had like 20 or 10, it would take me a while, several AirDrops, let's say. But now I can go through and select 20 or 30 clips uh, all at once from just the Photos app on my phone and AirDrop those over to my Mac without a hiccup, no problem at all. It's just Apple is the king of convenience, I'll say that. So long story short, the iPhone uh, video footage is so good, what it can do. I have several times in the last year and a half or two contemplated going all iPhone for my camera stuff on the channel. 
uh, sort of going in the opposite direction of what other channels are doing with their cinematic stuff. People with red cameras and Aerie Alexas and stuff. That's cool. That's a great goal or whatever, maybe. Um, I'm not downplaying that at all. It's very cool. But there's something to be said about being able to tell people, like, I'm just shooting on an iPhone. Um, and maybe in the future, that's something to consider. I don't know. I'm not quite there yet because if you like camera stuff, it's fun to, you know, use like different lenses and, and to really kit out your camera, um, so you can get the most out of it. That is fun. And, and really the quality is unmatchable still. There's no way that the iPhone is really a replacement for a, a bigger, better cinema camera yet. Um, but you know, it's getting to the point where, it's certainly usable and nobody notices. I'll say that. And I just want to point out too, if you're a YouTuber, a smaller YouTuber, or uh, you want to get into YouTube, or maybe if you just want to like shoot some stuff for your business, you're not a YouTuber, but you want some video for your business, for your website or for your socials or whatever. Um, wow. Using the iPhone, that's all you need. That's all you need. Get a tripod, get a, a great mic, set up, which you can get some mics that plug right in, a shotgun mic even, to your iPhone, get some really nice audio, um, or you could get a lab mic, whatever. Basically, take care of your audio situation, and you can use the iPhone for your stuff, for your business, for your YouTube channel, getting going, and it's beyond good enough, very honestly. And, and hey, like you don't need some crazy Mac or, or whatever to edit on too. Throw it on your iPad or even edit it right on your iPhone. It's really, really versatile. All right, that's going to do it for this uh, edition of the After Party. Hope you guys liked it. Let me know uh, if there's anything that you want to see in particular. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, at Daily Text, spelled Daily T-E-K-K. Make sure you're following us on Instagram, too. And I haven't decided quite yet if there's going to be an episode next week with Thanksgiving coming up. If not, there might be. So stay tuned. If not, though, we'll be back the week after for sure. So thanks for listening, and I'll catch you in the next video later.